0: torch has been passed to a new generation of americans he battled the talking heads and cynics in washington to save gm and chrysler the
1: only thing we have to fear is fear itself
0: he battled the great recession to save michigan's capital city from bankruptcy
1: this
2: big bold country that we love that's what i see that's the america i know
0: now he's on a mission to save the america that brought his father from italy and millions of immigrants to build the greatest nation in the world and i do believe that the office of citizen is the highest office in this country here he is america verge bernaro well good afternoon i'm verge bernaro welcome to the verge bernaro show Uh, We've got a great show for you today. We have uh, Nolan Finley, editorial board editor of the Detroit News, is going to be joining us, and he'll be defending his editorial, uh, something entitled uh, We Should Just Impeach Everybody, or something like that. Uh, I look forward to talking with Nolan, and uh, Dr. Judith Kovach will be joining us, who is a Former, uh, She's a psychologist and former head of the Michigan Psychological Association. We're going to be discussing peace and politics, how you can enjoy political discussion and the holidays with your relatives. Mm, that uh, seems where, very practical. Uh, we, it's timely. It needs to be discussed. A lot to say there. Uh, but let us go to uh, impeachment update, where you're going to get some virtual reality, a little taste of virtual reality. Um, at the top of last week's show, I acknowledged, I admitted, uh, that oh oh well we do have a little late breaking news um, I wanted to mention uh, the prime minister of Israel has been indicted uh, Bibi uh, Netanyahu uh, I don't have much more but check it out uh, the Trump of of Israel uh, in a way uh, Trump's good buddy. Netanyahu has been indicted, and um, who knows? For whom the bell tolls, uh, maybe we'll, we'll have something similar here uh, in the United States. It's kind of funny. They do have a very close relationship, and these things seem to be happening relatively at the same time. Right, right. Well, it eventually catches up to you. The, it does. The c- corruption will catch up. Uh, but at the top of last week's show, I admitted that I found the whole subject of impeachment a bit of a downer, you might remember. In fact, downright depressing at times. Uh, I also said that I'm not gleeful about seeing the president, even this president, impeached. And one of my good friends, who happens to be a Republican, challenged me after the show on that claim. Uh, knowing of my disdain for Trump and Trumpism, having seen my Facebook, uh, and even hearing the passion in my voice against Trump's policies and his conduct, my friend had to question whether in fact I am truly actually saddened about the impeachment or was it in fact kind of an act, kind of a rhetorical flourish, uh, flourish, kind of a, a, a posturing for the show or whatever. So it occurred to me that if one of my longtime friends has doubts about the issue, well, some of you may be wondering the same thing. So please allow me a brief explanation. Perhaps you'll relate to how I'm feeling, where I'm coming from on impeachment. As I told my friend, just because I support the impeachment does not mean that I'm happy about it. I meant what I said on this program when I called impeachment Sadly, necessary. And uh, we've seen that from some of the Democratic leaders, from Nancy Pelosi. Uh, They get somber, and some of you may think it's an act. Uh, While it's true that, uh, like many Democrats and lovers of liberty, uh, I've had severe doubts about Trump since the beginning. And this is the kind of thing they'll say, well, you've always had it out for Trump. You've never liked Trump. Yeah, okay, I admit that. I've never liked him. I didn't like Bush. I didn't like Reagan, but I never called for their impeachments. Uh, So uh, it's true that due to his bombastic rhetoric, his divisive language, uh, I, for one, continually hoped and prayed that his conduct would become more presidential, just as, by the way, he promised it would be. That was was a, a Trumpism. You know, I can be presidential when I need to be. And so I hoped and prayed that that would be the case. Of course, we now know that never happened. Be you a Republican, Democrat, or Independent, there is no one with any attachment to reality who would describe Trump as presidential or polite or a gentleman. We, we know he's none of that. Here uh, is where normally I would have inserted clips of Trump uh, being obnoxious and being rude and crude. But frankly, there's so many that we had a argument here in the in the studio. We we couldn't. Pick, there's just too many to pick from. So in the future, look forward to a whole show where we'll just put terrible Trumpisms, Trump quotes. But but I think I can. You, you'll grant that as they like in the legal term. What do they say? We, I think you can stipulate to that that Trump is a boorish, well ass, uh, oftentimes um, enough so that I mean, how sad that no parent I know would consider. Uh, for a second, President Trump, uh, for a second, would they consider President Trump a proper role model for their child? Uh, that alone is an incredible indictment. Sure, I'm a proud Democrat, but I feel no joy about the current situation. I am not filled with glee about Trump's impeachment, and that's uh, whether or not he is convicted in the Senate. Whether whether or not that's a remote possibility, I mean, it's a remote possibility at best. But yet still, I, I wouldn't be excited about that. Um, I feel about impeachment like I do about going to the dentist for a root canal. You ever had a root canal, Andy? No, I haven't, Uh, fortunately. But I know people that have had a root canal, and it's not fun. (laughs) I've had a couple. I'm not happy about it. I don't look forward to going. I'm apprehensive about a root canal. Uh, Any of you who've been through this, you know what I'm talking about. I wish it had not come to this. I wish I had flossed. You know, Mm. every time I go to the dentist and they say, "Uh, God, it looks like you need to floss. Yeah, yeah, I should floss. But, in fact, I don't. not only do I not floss well, I don't floss at all. Uh, I admit. So my dentist knows this, but you know, each time I'm like, hell, you know, I God, I wish I had flossed. I mean, you know, and then I'm, I sort of renewed. I have a renewed commitment that lasts for a day or two. But but now here it is. So let's do what's necessary. Let's get on with it. It must be done. This is our national root canal, my friends. There's no delaying it. The decay has reached such a point. The pain is so bad. The threat to the health of the body politic is too great to be ignored. And if you listen to the statements of a lot of the Democrats, that's essentially what they're saying. The root canal is here. The need for the root canal has arrived. Let's get on with it. And so, after months of trying to avoid it, trying not to chew on that side, trying to accommodate and or work around this dreadful problem, here we are in the dentist chair or the endodontist, as they like to say, to face the music. To face the music. To face the root canal. Let me remind you, my friends, most of us have been here before. We didn't enjoy it then, and we don't enjoy it now. It is a sadly familiar territory. While each tooth and operation is a little different, and maybe we even have a new dentist or endodontist, the procedure is essentially the same. The rule book, the Constitution, has not changed, even though some of the players are more experienced. And so, my fellow Americans, we must face impeachment, like the root canal, with courage and confidence. I doubt that many face it with glee. The only part of a root canal I look forward to is the end. The process, if I'm awake for it, which I've done it both ways, the process is positively miserable. Why and when do we pursue a root canal? Only when it is absolutely necessary, when there are no other viable options, when all else has failed, when it is unavoidable. And that's where we are with President Trump. That's why Speaker, House, uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and so many others are somber. About launching impeachment, about going through with impeachment. That's why she is so deliberative. That's why Adam Schiff is so deliberative. It's a serious operation that is not to be undertaken lightly. And if you look at the witnesses that have been sworn in, the patriots that have been sworn in, I think each one of them is taking their role very seriously, very somber. They understand the importance. David Holmes, who testified today, said Mm. he came up, he thought that he was going to be able to avoid it. It was swirling around it. But then he realized he had something to say. He realized that he had something that was important. As an American, he felt the need to step forward. You know, we have this saying around schools, and I guess it's all over the place now, if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. We're trying to teach our youngsters that. Don't allow bullying to fester. Uh, we, we, I think in New York, places that are subject to terrorism, they say, if you see something, say something. If you see something out of place, if you see something, don't wait. If somebody is having a hard time, if you, if you uh, a, 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 a youngster that's having a hard time that could end up being suicidal or homicidal, if you see something, say something. This David Holmes and some of these other witnesses, they saw something. They saw something. They heard something that troubled them. Uh, the the, the uh, uh, Fiona Hill testified today this morning that she there was something that went so bad and Bolton actually bolted from the room. Bolton bolted. He bolted from bolted. this meeting and told her, "You go straight to the lawyers." Now now you know I have no great love for Bolton. We disagree on a lot of policy, but you know what? He's an honest guy. He was in this meeting. He felt what they were doing. He described it as a drug deal, and he told Fiona Hill, "Stay in the meeting." I'm not going to. But you stay here. You take notes, and then you go straight to the lawyers. You go straight to the government lawyers, the watchdog. In essence, he's telling her be a whistleblower, be a whistleblower. There's no shame in being a whistleblower. If you see something, say something. And instead, we have a president who's going after the whistleblower. He's saying, and and, and a lot of his Republican enablers are doing the same thing. That that actually tried to shoot the messenger. They're trying to shoot the messenger. Here, Bolton essentially says, go to the lawyers, go tell them exactly what happens. Get in what happened, get it in writing. Uh, and, and, and yet, Trump and the Republicans are saying, you know, shoot the whistleblower. Basically, go after them, expose them, endanger them. So I'm not happy about impeachment. I'm not happy that our nation is in this spot. I truly wish that impeachment had been avoidable. But I truly believe that the House members who supported the impeachment inquiry were doing their constitutional duty. I believe they were following their oaths of office. Our founders put impeachment in the Constitution as a final safeguard against a lawless and tyrannical leader to be used sparingly. And it has been. This is only what, the fourth time? The fourth time that impeachment has been used? Congressman Denny Heck. I hope we got the video queued up congressman denny heck summed it up best during the testimony questioning of ambassador volker when he first educated us all on ukrainian reform efforts congressman hecker
2: Heck. did you know that one of the very first anti-corruption measures passed in ukraine was a law to provide for the impeachment of the president i did
3: not know that minute and it's a half. true
2: because he thought we should start with it himself i raised this because my friends on the other side of the aisle keep characterizing this impeachment inquiry is inherently wrong because and i'm quoting them it will overturn an election over and over it will overturn an election well impeachment is an anti-corruption tool and for my friends on the other side of the aisle yes it does overturn an election by definition it overturns an election i i don't know if they've got a problem with their constitution and its provisions for impeachment but i Recommend they reread the relevant uh, passages in Article One, Sections Two and Three, and some of the history about how we got there. Look, none of us wants to be here, despite what's being said. None of us came to this easily. I didn't. I recall, for the rest of my life, the 48 hours I spent at our family cabin, literally plunged in self-reflection and literally prayerful deliberation about this whole matter. Collectively, we're going to have to grapple with this very grave decision. It's weighty, and it's going to get hard, and it's hard in proportion to its importance to our great republic. A republic, if we can keep it.
0: I love this guy. And if it sounds familiar, if you've been listening to this program, of course, we've quoted uh, that that, that famous quote, A Mm -hmm. Republic If You Can Keep It, from Ben Franklin, as he left Philadelphia on that hot summer at the end of their their work. Uh, And, of course, he gave a tidbit of information there that I don't think even this ambassador didn't know. So I'm guessing that all of virtually every listener and that most Americans are unaware that one of the reforms that the new president instituted uh, and, and legislature or Congress in Ukraine was to put in impeachment to see to it that even the president of Ukraine would not be above the law. And that's the issue here. Is the president above the law? That was the issue with Nixon. Yep. It was the It is the issue now. And uh, so we have to go through that. And you see the somber notion, and I don't believe it's made up. And so uh, we do have to go through this. You can't avoid it. It is unavoidable. And and don't bury your head in the sand. Be you Democrat, Republican, or Independent, you must grapple with it, just like this guy said. Now, by the way, so we need to move to to uh, uh, profiles in courage, which is really what we've been talking about. Uh, in 1956, Senator John F. Kennedy wrote a Pulitzer Prize-winning book entitled Profiles in Courage. So you can put that up on the screen. I don't know if it's there. The book is a series of short biographies describing acts of bravery and integrity by eight United States senators, written by then-Senator John F. Kennedy, who won the Pulitzer Prize for this work. Now, this book has been required reading for politicals since that time. It's on my bookshelf, and it's on the bookshelf of most everybody. Uh, and, and the term Profile in Courage is used for somebody who basically steps up, stands up, and does the right thing, even in the of, uh, of, of all sorts of opposition, even when it's not politically, perhaps protect, particularly when it's not politically expedient. That's what a profile in courage is. Profile in courage is one of the highest compliments that you can give, I think, in democracy and in political life, is to be called a profile in courage. The book, like the leadership and vision of JFK and his former and his brother, Robert Kennedy, inspired generations. The book chronicles the true stories of senators who risked their political futures by doing the right thing instead of what was politically expedient. Profiles in courage shows American politics at its very best. Profiles in Courage has been on my bookshelf, as I said. Modern-day profiles are all around us. People who stand for great American principles. People who will not be bullied or intimidated into wrongdoing or even bullied into silence. People like Ambassador Yovanovich, Ambassador Taylor, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, Pence, and Jennifer Williams. Uh, and yes, the unnamed whistleblower. Uh, and David Holmes. And Fiona Hill. Here's what Congressman Denny Heck had to say about Ambassador Yovanovitch, who was tweeter-bullied, tweeter-bullied by Trump, even during her time testimony before Congress. While she was testifying, Trump tweeter bullied her. And here's what Congress, Congressman Heck said to uh, Ambassador Yovanovitch after her courageous testimony.
2: There was a smear campaign, and it was orchestrated by a corrupt Ukrainian prosecutor, the president's attorney, the president's son, and even some of the president's allies at his favorite TV station. So that campaign led to your removal despite 33 years of outstanding service, progressive responsibility, and awards. And so I kind of sit here with a mix of emotions. On the one hand, there's some pride and gratitude for all your outstanding service. And on the other hand, I'm angry, like my friend from Connecticut. In fact, I'm very angry about how it is the most powerful person on the face of the earth Would remove you from office after your stellar service and somehow feel compelled to characterize you as bad news and then to ominously threaten that you're going to go through some things. So I am angry, but I'm not surprised. After all, as was suggested earlier, he said the whistleblower may have committed treason, a crime punishable, by death, even though the whistleblower strictly adhered to the letter of the law as independently attested to by both the Trump-appointed inspector general and the acting DNI. After all, he even demeaned the memory of Senator McCain after he lied in his grave at the Naval Academy grounds, despite a lifetime of public service, and serving six years as a prisoner of war in a tiny cell in Hanoi, being beaten and tortured every day. And after all, he belittled the Gold Star Khan family, whose son, Captain Khan, gave his last full measure of devotion out of love for this country. And let me tell you, as somebody whose older brother never saw his 35th birthday because of service in the Vietnam War, those words are deeply offensive. Words matter, and the words leveled against you constitute bullying of the worst order. Your good character. Your outstanding reputation have been besmirched in a way that is devoid of common decency. But here's my message to you. There is nothing, Ambassador Ivanovich, nothing he can say or do, not a thing, that will in any way diminish the nature and quality of the service you have rendered to our great nation. Not a thing. And there is not a thing he can say or do that will diminish our gratitude to you for that service. And I thank you again for it. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Congressman Heck, and thank you, Ambassador Yovanovich. And I want to speak now to my Republican friends and relatives. My Republican friends and relatives. You may stay quiet. You may not have a problem with this, and I'm deeply troubled that you don't. Look yourselves in the mirror and see what's happening. I don't know if this Yovanovich, Ambassador Yovanovitch is a Democrat or Republican. These other patriots that are coming forward, I don't know what their political affiliation is, and I don't care. These great Americans have served this country and, in fact, put their lives on the line. Some of these ambas- ambassadors get blown up and shot at, and a lot of you don't want those jobs. But these people take these jobs because they're great American patriots. And if you think I'm angry about it, just like heck, you're damn right I am. And you should be angry about it, and you should look yourself in the mirror and ask what kind of an American you are that you tolerate this sort of thing. I wouldn't tolerate it, and I would stand up if it was Barack Obama or Bill Clinton or any other Democrat who, who who was trying to erode and corrupt people like this and what we stand for in Ukraine, a burgeoning democracy, a budding democracy right next to Russia, when Russia is trying to cause problems for us left and right. But I'll tell you something, you Republicans might not have a problem with it, but you better look up and, and look around and pay attention, because even if all you care about is winning elections and ever having influence in this country again and not having your brand completely corrupted and, and, and ruined, you better pay attention because regular Americans are. You Republicans haven't won an election virtually since 2016. You're going down, 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 following the Pied Piper, Donald Trump. And your brand is being damaged. Of course, the brand of the United States is being damaged, too. But I'm just trying to appeal to you Republicans who apparently don't care about anything else but winning elections. And you are going to find yourself on the dust heap of history. If you don't stand up and stand up against this man and realize that your first job is to be a patriot and not to be a partisan, now is the time, this is the time for you to stand up and come to the aid of of your country, just like these patriotic Americans have. If you see something, say something, and by God, they did. They saw something despicable. They saw something wrong, and they stood up, and they said America is better than this, and they're right. And it's time that you should join their ranks. And if you don't, I'm telling you, you're going to pay the price. These patriotic Americans are some of the best we have. They serve on our behalf. They risk their very lives. And for the first time, they're being attacked from their own lines. You talk about friendly fire? That's what it's called. I don't call it very friendly. Their own president, the president of the United States, attacking these Americans, saying, This was the first time an, Amer- an American president ever that we can find actually publicly said negative things about an ambassador serving in a foreign country on behalf of the United States. But I'll tell you something, just like Congressman Heck said, their integrity remains intact. And America should listen to what they're saying. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman got to the heart of the matter in his testimony. Take a listen to Lieutenant Colonel Vindman talking about what the issues actually are on Ukraine in the ground. I mean, on the ground in Ukraine. We fully anticipated that the Ukrainians would raise the issue of, meet- of a meeting between the presidents. Ambassador Bolton cut the meeting short when Ambassador Sondland started to speak about the requirement that Ukraine deliver specific investigations in order to secure the meeting with President Trump. Following this meeting, there was a short debriefing during which Ambassador Sondland emphasized the importance of Ukraine delivering the investigations into the 2016 elections, the Bidens and Burisma. I stated to Ambassador Sondland that this was inappropriate and had nothing to do with national security. Dr. Hill also asserted his comments when proper. Following the meeting, Dr. Hill and I agreed to report the incident to the NSC's lead counsel, Mr. John Eisenberg. On July 21st, Colonel Vindman came to this country when he was three years old from the former Soviet Ukraine and has dedicated his life to serving us, to serving the USA. And their response to his truthful and courageous testimony has been to vilify and attack this patriotic American. And that should offend every one of you. And it offends me. If you see something, say something, that's what he did. He is a profile in courage. He is a profile in courage. He is what Kennedy was talking about. And now here's Congressman Peter Welch, who brings forward a great analogy. Okay, for any simpleton who has a hard time understanding, for any of you who are concerned about, oh, the language, is it bribery, is it quid pro quo? Okay, Focus on what happened. So Congressman Welch, beautifully, better than I ever could, exposes this for what it is. Congressman Welch.
4: I want to talk a little bit about why we're here. Official government actions can't be traded for help in a political campaign. Let me give an analogy and ask each of you if you agree. Uh, Could a mayor of a city withhold funding for the police department budget unless the police chief agreed to open up an investigation on a political rival mr morrison and in that hypothetical no i don't think he should do that yeah and mr volker ambassador volker sure you agree yes and the same would be true if it were a governor withholding uh the budget request of the state police unless the state police agree to conduct an investigation on a political rival you would agree correct Yes, sir. In your view, is it any different for a member of Congress? Of course not, right? Would you agree that the president has the same obligation as the mayor, as the governor, as the member of Congress to not withhold aid unless he gets an investigation into a political rival, Mr. Morrison?
0: Thank you, Congressman Welch. So here we all agree that a mayor can't get away with this kind of crap, a governor can't, they would be charged with a crime. A congressman couldn't do this, trading official public acts for something that benefits you personally and or politically. That's illegal. That's impeachable, my friends. A mayor can't do it, a governor can't do it, and a president can't do it. Because guess what? Here in America, the president is not above the law. Unless of course you all want to send him that message. You want to send this president, Donald Trump, the message that he can in fact do what he said he thinks he can do, which is shoot somebody on Madison or on Fifth, Fifth Avenue, Avenue and get away with it. And apparently some of you have no problem with that. Well, I do. We're gonna take a break now, and then when we come back, we're gonna hear we're gonna be joined by Nolan Finley, editorial page editor of the Detroit News, who wrote an editorial entitled Let's Just Impeach Everyone. We're going to find out what he was talking about.
5: I'll tell you what happened.
0: G'day Morty! I
5: got the Sichuan sauce! We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont.
0: Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Trevilian and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost,
2: the original Blue Power Ranger.
4: Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. But your, your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor.
3: Let's see what you got. <laughs>
5: Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop In with Gerald Valley.
0: And we are back with the Verge Bernaro show. Uh, We've got Nolan Finley joining us. And after this discussion, we're going to be joined by Judith Kovach, uh, where we're going to be discussing peace and politics, how you can enjoy the holidays and still have robust political conversation. Or can you? Well, we'll find out. But right now, Nolan Finley, editorial page editor of the Detroit News. Uh, Nolan, it's been a long time. Thank you so much for joining us. How Um, are you, Mayor? I am good. How are you, my friend? I've
3: been very well.
0: Good. I read your article, and I must say, mm-hmm. in the beginning, I really was liking it. Uh, <laughs> you were talking about uh, the reasons that maybe, you know, that, uh, that uh, uh, President Trump is kind of boorish, he's kind of inappropriate, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, man, boy, uh, Nolan's really come around. And then... No, that's where I started with Donald Trump. Yeah, and then the article took a twist. Um, and so I want to ask you, I want to give you, uh, obviously, be completely fair, but... Uh, uh, your article seems to imply or state a moral equivalence between tw- trump and the democrats despite the fact that you say trump is probably the most immoral president in history but don't let me put words in your mouth so if trump is well, that, no, that's what i wrote. so, so um,
3: i wouldn't describe it as a moral equivalence in terms that i'm i'm saying that uh, both sides are equally wrong or equally bad but i think there's no moral high ground that i see and i think both uh, neither the Republicans nor the Democrats here are purely motivated. I think this is driven by partisan politics and uh I think the impeachment process, uh although I think what what Trump did was certainly inappropriate or wrong, may rise to impeach an impeachable offense. I still think the this whole process is has been tainted by hyper partisanship but, but and by the democrats um, resolve from day one to begin the impeachment process okay. i think the credibility
0: i think it lacks credibility okay so this is what, what i wanted tried. to this is what i wanted to challenge you about like mm-hmm. i'm a, i'm a classic example i think of the average democrat I was appalled by the election results. I stayed up all night. I couldn't sleep. And I, But I may be one of the few Americans, Nolan, uh, maybe one of the few Democrats, I don't know, who watched the acceptance speech. It happened at like 2.30 or 3 in the morning, mm-hmm. and I watched it. And I, I, was, I went to bed as much as I was pensive, and I was pensive in a way that I never felt when Reagan won or when Bush won. I was disappointed but I wasn't devastated. So, so yes, I was particularly devastated by Trump based on what I knew of him, based on statements that he had made, based on his divisive character that I had seen. But I went to bed that night hoping that he meant what he said. And at some point in a future show, maybe we'll play some excerpts from his acceptance speech, because there were little things in there, little tidbits that, that put out hope that maybe he could be presidential. And then later he said he would be presidential. Now his speech, his inaugural speech, I think was unique in its divisive nature. And we could have a show on that sometime, too. From the get-go, I would argue, you see, where you say the Democrats were hyper-partisan from the beginning, I believe they had every reason to to recoil in the way they did, because Trump is uniquely divisive. And I would argue, and I want to hear your answer to this, I would argue, I want to know if you agree, I know you're very learned and studious about these things, Um, I would argue that Trump is the most divisive president in modern history, in terms of his failure to reach across the aisle, even if he didn't mean it. Reagan, Bush, Clinton, every. Every one of them after the election, in my political memory, every one of them, as soon as the election was over, began to reach across the aisle, at least rhetorically, at least rhetorically, if not politically. And, and they, they, they constantly wanted to reach across the aisle and say, look, even if you didn't vote for me, I am your president. I've never heard Trump... Uh, he 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 just seems to continue to to drive a wedge, and so when people say we're being polarizing, Democrats are hyper partisan. Th- he is he has failed to extend an olive branch almost ever. But tell me where I'm wrong. I don't,
3: I don't disagree. I've written that many times. Uh, I don't disagree that he's um, an abomination. I've written that many times. But two things can be true, as I've written in that uh, in that column. You can think uh, Trump's absolutely a horrible president and absolutely has done things to harm the nation and you can also believe that this process is tainted and not above board okay so let's talk about the process lacks lacks credibility okay but let's talk about and as an expert let me finish okay and as an extension will if it if it goes through as i you know i predict it will will further divide the country and damage the country unnecessarily. We've got an election coming up in November 20th, uh, I'm sorry, in in 12 months. It's November 21st, just under 12 months. We've got an election coming up where the people should have the right to decide Trump's face. I think they're fake. I would rather see this shift into a censure action. Now, only one president in history has been censured. Uh, The House can do it, and do it quickly on a simple majority vote. It doesn't need affirmation by the Senate. And you would send the message to Donald Trump that your actions are inappropriate, uh, your actions...
0: Harass the office Fine. or you, ill-befitting you, I, I a president, get it.
3: I, and this could be. And then this I, is done. I get it. You, you don't, don't feel have the distraction and devices. Okay, but but we do. We do because
0: we have an impetuous child for a president who, actually, in the State of the Union, in the mm-hmm. State of the Union, you might remember his threat where he said, "We can't have progress on these other things if we have impeachment. Mm-hmm. We either basically have impeachment or we have nothing. Well, uh, that's reality. Or, or we have progress. Not, that um, wasn't a." That wasn't a, Well, it a was. It was That's a pretty valid threat. And where, so, when you talk he, about the he process, had, he, he had, he,
3: even if he had not said that, where do you think? What do you think Congress is capable of doing during this period? Well, I now, think I, a, I think I really they wouldn't could. anticipate much progress, um, regardless in an election year. That's well, true. Well, under normal even, times, even even before impeachment,
0: this guy wasn't productive even before impeachment. He talked about he talked about uh, uh, infrastructure. I was a mayor when Pence came. Uh, to the mayor's conference and said, infrastructure, we're going to do infrastructure. And the mayors practically gave him a standing ovation. Okay, where was the infra- infrastructure plan? It never came. The guy, when it comes to substantive progress, the guy is all talk. He's all, and all that, show and no go. And that's all well and good. And Mark. that was and before impeachment, Nolan. You, that was if before you impeachment. Force, if,
3: you, uh, if you attempt... To remove a president elected by the people, you're going to leave 45 percent of this country feeling angry, bitter, and yeah. disenfranchised. Well, well but going to gonna let be... this go to the electorate and let them decide Trump. I'm today. all for it. Okay, Do you believe he could win re-election?
0: What, what? I don't know. And I'm all for it. No, the, I don't know. He's going to lose the election, and he's going to stand for election in all likelihood. But my, my problem with your premise— uh, that, mm-hmm. the, the, that the people, your premise, and I've heard other people say this, that the people, he was independently like you know, he was elected by the people, and this undoes the uh, My friends, read the Constitution. Tell me where I, I, I'm, you got me so confused. The Constitution provides for impeachment by the elected representatives, the elected representatives, the Congress and the Senate. Okay, so but these people re- are also it elected. it certainly doesn't require the, it. It doesn't require it, but his a, actions certainly justify it.
3: It doesn't require it, and... You know, this, there are other, there are mother, other means of dealing with this that I think would be uh, quicker, cleaner, and less and less damaging and divisive to the nation. Let me ask you this. Okay, let me ask you Um, this. Don't
0: you fear that by not acting, if they took your advice, don't you fear that by not acting for impeachment, that they would be significantly lowering the bar on acceptable behavior for all future presidents?
3: Rather, I think, no, rather than that, I think what they will do is make impeachment the norm. Anytime you have the president... and belonging to one party and a chamber and the House belonging to another, I think you almost guarantee that impeachment will become the norm. Uh, I worry that we are just plunging toward uh, a a level of dysfunction and divisiveness that we're not going to be able to recover for. I think we gut this year out, let the people choose a new president, and do our best to get back to some sort of unity and normalcy in this country. I think an impeachment works against that goal.
0: Let me say this. I agree with the tone of your comments. I do not agree ultimately. Mm-hmm. I don't arrive at the same conclusion. And and That's when right. I say when I say that Nancy Pelosi thought long and hard about it, I mean I know she did. I, I know her a little I, bit. I agree with that and, and I think
3: she would have rather not gone it, here. It was a very I think difficult she was by her and
0: caucus. and when you listen to Congressman Heck, you know, this was not it's not something I think that they undertake uh, uh, frivolously, I, I, I think it is. It is a somber time. It is very difficult. Uh, but, but Trump, the, the issue of when you act, uh, Nolan, and and you know when you th- these are people that took oaths and take their oath seriously to the Constitution, and so when you do that, and I, as I have done several times, as as even as you know, small offices at the state and, and local level, but they're important to the people who put you there, and that oath is important, and so you try to be true to it. I'd like you to listen with me. To this uh, to this Bill Maher, uh, who uh, I know, Bill Maher, he's a jokester, but a lot of people listen to these people. And so uh, I think it's worth taking. Listen, I want to get your opinion. Not really someone I take my political direction from. Uh, Go ahead and play it if you want, Birch. Thanks. Take a listen. I see too many analogies on TV to Watergate impeachment hearings. This is very different. Watergate Nixon said, I am not a crook. Trump says, I'm a crook, so what? (laughs) That's a very different situation we're in. They have no real defense on the facts. Their defense is, stop picking on the poor guy. (laughs) Poor Donald Trump, he was born rich, he doesn't pay taxes, he dodged the draft, he got to be president in an election he lost? When is he gonna catch a break? (laughs) So, I mainly wanted to play that, uh, Nolan, because you and I remember, uh, we're old enough to remember the Nixon, uh, I'm just barely old enough to remember it, the, the, the Nixon impeachment and his one. Well, res- I'm getting
3: so old, I'm forgetting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, so he, you know, the old Nixon, I am not a crook thing versus he's saying Trump's basic attitude is uh, I'm a crook, so what? His his behavior is so abhor- uh, abhorrent, and I want to just posit again my idea that that, and, and other people have said that his his violations are so egregious that for the it got to the point that for Congress not to act that the idea is that he would just continue. And, and, and his his corrupt behavior could could continue on and it's doing well, it's damage in places like the ukraine so they felt they his had presidency, to
3: presidency take... his presidency is going to continue no matter what the house does do you think there's any chance at all verge that the Senate is going to remove him
0: only only a very remote chance very remote. Not I wouldn't, even. I wouldn't want to put money not on it. even
3: they're certainly going to have to have a better case than was presented but, this but, week and a more clear-cut place. But no, these uh, people can now get I mean, themselves look what in the to, Look what happened to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was impeached. What did this, what did the Democratic Senate do? Nothing. The Republican Senate's going to do nothing. So what have we accomplished here other than putting the country through six, seven, eight months of very divisive, damaging uh uh proceedings in Washington. Well, again, Take here a I, censure vote, take a clean censure vote, but, and the result's the same. You've got this fantasy that Trump is going to be removed from office. No, I don't. He will not be. No, I actually don't. So then when you say, should we let his behavior continue,
0: this doesn't stop anything. What I learned, Nolan, what I learned in in, in uh, close to you know 30 years of public service mm-hmm. uh, in elective office is that I... While, while in a political position I can consider the politics, I cannot allow my actions always to be determined by what the other body will do. As a state representative, as a state senator, I have to vote my conscience. And and so my so you, colleague, you have my, to do more than that. My, my you colleague have to vote for the good of your constituents. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And there were a few times when I had to, when it was conflicted. But but and I have to as mayor, I have to consider what the city council is going to do. But there mm-hmm. are key times where I have to simply do what's in my heart and do what I think is the right thing and let the council, even if it looks like the city council is mm-hmm. going to go against me and maybe over maybe a veto or maybe a, 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 a overrule. You know, there there are th- times when I've issued a veto and I knew it was going to be overridden, but it was the right thing. To do, and I think these folks are conflicted. They're they're they they're under a lot of pressure, and they're trying to do that. But I do believe they're trying to do the right thing for the country. And they felt that they just could not that by si- by staying silent or just doing something like a censure that they weren't. They have got to do everything they can to stop this president from breaking the law, and then put it in the hands of the Senate. The Senate will have to vote their conscience and do what they think you know, is right.
3: And you know what the outcome is the same as the same as I do. Um, and again, I think there's so much division on this issue in the country Um, I do remember the Nixon years and when the Nixon impeachment was going forward what the difference between there and now is you started to win a great deal of public support for his removal and you had Republicans coming uh, out well a little bit a little hold on you hold on you had this newspaper which was a conservative Republican newspaper calling for his removal the damage that when he left office and I you know I watched him get on the helicopter as a young man uh, when he left office there was a sense of national relief uh, in this case I think you tearing, you risk tearing this country apart but worse you make impeachment the norm just like you know I'll, I'll equate it to when Harry Reid blew up the the um, uh, supermajor or the 60 vote uh uh, majority requirement for confirming justices, that became the norm then for forever.
0: This yeah, will I think, yeah, I think the that's... The norm
3: forever. And if you think there's ever going to be a president you can't find who abused his office, who did things that the other party would consider impeachable offense, you're crazy. They're all you know there it's it, there it's this is going to be well this is only happens. the fourth time every time why i i, I it, did. and i agree and it's rare for a reason it's only the fourth time proceedings have been brought this goes through it'll be brought
0: well, over it's, and over but let me and so, so i appreciate it we got to wrap it up and maybe we can come Good. back i'd love to have you on again uh, yeah let's do it but i think in a way you've answered your own uh, question though Nolan, because i think you're in conflict with yourself because your article Not at you, all. you here here's where i think because you we can talk about it another time but your article speaks to his immorality and and his the the, the his, his egregious violations of the norms and all that so on That's the one right. hand you're saying you're saying he's uniquely unqualified and uniquely and the Democrats agree with you. And then on the other hand, you're saying, saying – And I'm also saying the people voted for him.
3: Yeah, they and, voted for uh, him. They voted for and Congress. And paraphrase Mencken, the people deserve the government. They choose
0: good and hard. So All right. Thanks for that. having me, Virginia. That'll be the last word. Thank you, Nolan, so much. Appreciate Bye. it. Uh, are we taking a break before we go to Judith? Yes, we're
2: we gonna, are. Uh, Quick we're gonna break. We're going to
0: take a break, and then we're going to be discussing peace and politics over the holidays. Stay with us. This is going to be interesting.
5: Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop In with Gerald Valley. I'll tell you what happened. Morty! I got sauce! We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks.
0: My name is Jordan Travillion, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the
2: original Blue Power Ranger.
4: Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. Your, your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. <laughs>
0: And welcome back to The Verge Bernaro Show. Thank you so much. It's been exciting. It's going to stay exciting because next we're going to talk peace and politics over the holidays. How to enjoy the holidays with your family and have a robust political discussion. Is that possible anymore with the polarization and the, the hyperbolic uh, language that people use and the very deep emotions um, that is going on? The holidays are here and we're gonna have a conversation with Dr. Judith Kovach, former executive director of the Michigan Psychological Association, longtime practitioner and sometime holiday hostess herself, as we are at the Bernaro household. Judith, are you with us? Yes, I am. Good morning, George. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We talked about this a little bit on a previous show, and people were so interested, and we just we just sort of g- gleaned over it. You and I have talked about our own family situations. It's getting to the point with the the deep felt emotions and passions that uh, I guess in the Trump in the age of Trump that a lot of families are simply banning political dialogue from the holiday uh, dinner table, if you will. And The holidays are upon us. And I am worried, as I've expressed to you and on this program, that uh, in America, by gosh, uh, here we are, one of the great democracies. And if we ban, if we banish politics, uh, that we're really not only are we depriving ourselves of, of some good political discussion, but the youngsters. I think back to my time as, as a youngster growing up, being exposed to politics, and I realized my first exposure to politics, uh, beyond Bugs Bunny, uh, was uh, was at the at these family gatherings where there would be this robust discussion, mostly Italians uh, and mostly Italian men, uh, admittedly, uh, arguing and yelling and sometimes getting grabbed by the lapels, but uh, but. Never, uh, never really breaking out in a full fi- fight, but I learned about about frankly about Mussolini. I learned about you know the old country, why they came here, blah blah blah. I learned political history. I learned politics. And if we stop that altogether, aren't we depriving our young people from getting at least a basic uh, a start? Uh, and then I worry that they might be more subject to to the political extremes. You know, we've got young people trying to be recruited into into ISIS or into the skinheads, uh, and and if they're not getting a grounding at home, at least a starting point. I mean, I might not like it if they come out to be a Republican, but by God, I'd rather have them come out and be a Republican from a Republican household and having some basis in, in fact than to be subject to the vicissitudes of the political winds. So uh, I asked you to think about, you know, how we could, you know, are there ground rules? Are there parameters? What can families do other than just saying no politics uh, in order to keep it civil this holiday season?
1: Well, I think the first thing is to remember why the family is getting together. It's Thanksgiving and that means something. And I think if we set a tone that we are there to celebrate what we're thankful for and what's good in our lives, that will set a tone. Beyond that, I think we can set some ground rules if for no one else, each one of us can do it for ourselves. And there are ways to, to engage in conflict that are not destructive. They may not change anybody's mind, but I think that if we um, are, are respectful of each other, if... Um, if if we don't allow a conversation to be a free for all where we start yelling about one thing and another thing and
0: well, as somebody, let me so let me stop you there. In terms of you, you said respectful and and not yelling now. I, I'm pretty good at being respectful. Pretty good most of the time. I have been accused of yelling. I come from a family. Never. of... Never. I, I I come from a family of of, of yellers, uh, Doc. And um, so my mother, you know, was a was a big Italian mama and very passionate um, and emotional and free with her emotions. Um, and so happy, sad, or something in the middle, she was prone to you know raising her voice and letting you know how, how she, what she thought. Um, And and tell me if I'm right about this theory. I'm kind of an armchair psychologist. I have no 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 real training like you, but um, it seems like I'm better at the coffee house, uh, like being polite, having a discussion. Or the other day I was pumping gas actually and got into a political discussion. Believe it or not, with the person on the other side, and it turned out they were Republican, and it and it went very and it went fine. Because I, I think I've got my guard up. I think I'm a little more polite. And I think what happened at my family, uh, where politics was banned, I think uh, we're because we're so familiar, the old saying about you only hurt the ones you love, is, is there some truth in that saying from a psychological perspective? Because I feel like, you know, that I, I sort of let my guard down. I'm with family. And so I'm freer to tell somebody in the family uh, in a, in, a, in a looser way and in a more direct way and frankly in a cruder way to my family. I'm, I'm even though they're the ones I know and love. I'm 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 more inclined to show them more clear passion and emotion than I would be. Like with Nolan Finley just just before you came on, you know I, I so for some reason I'm more polite. You know why is it that 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 we're, we tend to be more direct? with our family and is that something how, how do we guard against that going off the rails
1: because i think we really believe that when at the end of the day our families are going to love us no matter what we say but i think more importantly is you're describing a family culture that happens to include um a passionate uh discussions rather than than putting a negative term on it, like yelling. Like dysfunctional? And if that's your family culture, that shouldn't change. That's only going to make people more uncomfortable. But in that yelling, uh, what we have to be uh, concerned about is name-calling, is disparaging people, is putting them down. Listening to their ideas, responding passionately is fine. Putting them down, calling them names... Um, that's not helpful. Okay, now you. Now we're getting down to it. This is this
0: is really helpful because what I want to pull from you is because maybe what we'll end up doing is printing up uh, like Verge's. Uh, I'll I'll just—and uh, we could call it—we could go Virgin Judith, if you want. Mm-hmm. But we could call it uh, our sort of uh, guidelines for political—and and, and you hit on one key one, which is, uh, you know, listening respectfully. So maybe we even get to the point of, like, having a time clock, like giving somebody, okay, you know. I mean, the funny thing is, when we get family together, a lot of times, a lot of families play games, play cards, play board games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully they don't just go off and each, listen, you know, go off to their own computer or their own iPhone. I mean, we've come to the point, I think, where conversation is—really uh, good conversation is, is uh, jeopardized, is yeah. threatened in our, in our democracy because people too much are playing games, video games, and so on. So in order to encourage this, one way you could you could have sort of time slots because we do get into interrupting each other. And I think that interrupting each other then can lead—again, it's one—it's one, it's kind of one rude thing after another. And I've seen it escalate uh, in different places. I've been part of it escalating in my own family, I'm, I'm sorry to admit. Um, and, I, and again, I think we're very familiar with each other. We take liberties with family that we wouldn't take with somebody on the street. Uh, and then it, just, it can just devolve downward. But it doesn't have to. If we say if we establish uh, ground rules, and I'm talking about actually doing it this this Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and, and over the holidays, Christmas coming, the the the, uh, uh, the whole holiday season. Um, so, uh, listening, what do you think, Judith, about about uh, sort of designated time? Uh, actually, well,
1: I think that can be a very helpful tool. Um, it's it's a technique we use um, when we're helping. Couples communicate better. We'll, we'll give them an object, and you, as long as you hold the object, you talk, but you can't keep it more than three minutes, and then you pass it on. And And that, that sort of lightens the tone. Um, you know, somebody's watching and says, you know, Okay, Joe. You've had your three minutes. Pass the cup. Pass the ball. Whatever it like happens it. to be, like and it. and people laugh and they understand what's happening in in a way that 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 lightens it. Most importantly, and and whether the family style is is uh, kind of uh, uh, intellectual or passionate, like your family and mine. Um, What's important is that our children are learning from our behavior. And what our children are seeing in in the public sector, is um, very ugly and dysfunctional ways of communicating. And I think we can use our family get-togethers to show them that we can have conflict, we can disagree, but at the end of the day, we love each other, we respect each other, and um, these are simply discussions. We may change minds, we may not change minds, but our kids get to see that people are capable in a of communicating in a way that, unfortunately, they're not seeing um, when they watch television or read the paper or get on their uh, iPad. Right, right,
0: right. I love what you're saying. So. So, uh, and I love the idea of uh, passing an object, again, because it's interesting, uh, you know, again, we a lot of families will play games, mm-hmm. but the political discussion has gone off the rail, and so they're just shying away from it, and so maybe if we put in some of those elements of the game, like the time slot is allowed, some games, you know, you have so much time to say a word, or you, then then you give it up, and then mm-hmm. it passes on, and then it comes back to you, and when you say lighten the tone, I agree, and yet I want to remind our listeners that, you know, by lightening the tone it doesn't mean that we're making light of the political situation, but the reality is it allows for a real exchange of information. Actually, when you talk about changing somebody's mind, uh, rarely is somebody's mind changed when they're yelled at. Yeah. I, think, I think there's research on that. that, that there there being, certainly is. Being on the receiving end of a, yeah, of a rant is, is, of course, very terrible for children, but it really it doesn't help anybody. Few people are convinced in, in that situation, other than convinced that this person is an idiot and I need to get out of here. Um, so, so the the uh, the likelihood of actually winning an argument would go up. the The idea that we would actually listen to each other, and and hear what my opponent is saying, actually understand. Uh, and take it in. It may be that in this passing of the potato or passing whatever and having the dialogue continue for as long as it needs to, it could be uh, that I'm going to be more reflective. I'm going to be able to mentally, you know, uh, take in, intellectually consider more than if we were just yelling at each other.
1: I, I think that's true. And again, we're setting good role models for our children and yeah, our grandchildren so, so, and great-grandchildren. So what other roles, uh, Judith, when you say uh,
0: these are great? I mean, and it, of course it sounds so basic. It sounds like we're going back to the playground. No no, calling each other names, uh, no insults, uh, listening perhaps with, a, with, a, with a, time, a, a specific time period that goes back and forth, a time allotment.
1: Well, one of the things I will say to my family Um, And I need to be particularly cautious in my family, because of the 16 of us that are going to be present, all but one have the same political view. And I don't want that member of the family to feel ganged up on or, um, or misused, and I think I think you mentioned something a few minutes ago. We each have to think about what are our goals in having these conversations. If our goal is to, win, that conversation is over before it starts. If our goal is to try to understand what directs somebody in the direction they're going, that's much more productive.
0: Yes, understanding, not winning. Now, that is a new concept for me, and yet it makes sense because I am not going to win over uh, (laughs) my relatives. Sadly, I would like to. But I could, but if we come away with a better understanding and appreciation, I agree with you. That's got to be the goal. Uh, So, so, uh, no name calling, listening, perhaps in a structured way. And understanding going into it with the goal of understanding rather than winning. Uh, so you, so you believe. One of the wrap things that I
1: say to my guests is, my family. When you talk about politics, I want everything you say to begin with the word "I." I believe. I think. I don't understand. Whatever it is, talk about yourself once you start sentences like you don't know what you're talking about or you must live on a different planet or <laughs> any of the kinds of things it's not that, that i ever said those um, things that's why i'm laughing can happen I'm just <laughs> when when we talk about the other person and and my job will be to keep people making eye statements then they can say whatever they want then you be- know not i think you're a jerk but i I think um, that this is why I disagree with you.
0: This has been great, Judith, and this is why you've had such a great and successful career doing what you do. Uh, And as usual, you were a fountain of knowledge and information. I thank you so much. Uh, And so maybe peace and politics is possible. I'm going to wrap these things up. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you all at home for being on uh, The Verge Bonero Show, and we will talk to you next week at NRM Streamcast. Join us again.